Come on, you're welcome to take your seats. Can we just appreciate our worship team? Give them a God bless you tonight. I want to share something with you, maybe try and illustrate something tonight before we jump into the Word. Good evening, Empower Church. Good evening, everybody online, Facebook, YouTube, all our locations. So good to be with you tonight. I believe that God's going to do something incredible in our midst tonight. Come on, have you got an expectation for God to come and meet with you? Thank goodness I'm at the right church tonight. Rechard, won't you join me? Rechard is just like my all-time favorite um, living prop. And um, before we jump into the word tonight, I want to I wanna try and illustrate something that the Lord has showed me in prayer this afternoon. So Rechard represents all of us. And he's a very accurate representation of how beautiful we look. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, there's like 19 of you. Okay. <laughs> I believe that we, we find ourselves in this incredible space and place in the spirit currently. I've had the privilege to journey with God for a number of years. Many of you seated here watching online have journeyed with God for longer than what I have. But there's been key moments in my life where I have sensed a shift taking place in the spirit and and it's it's normally in those moments where we would say stuff like we are entering into revival and you've heard a lot of that in the last couple of weeks haven't you come on we've all experienced that seen that for those of you that were with us this morning it's just it's it's so clear to see that God is shifting this church into something new and this this whole week as I was just sitting with God I felt this urgency from God's side to say, Eric, I want you to share with people Sunday night the words that I put in your mouth because I don't want anyone to miss what I'm busy doing in this time. It's God's intention that you would not miss what He wants to do in your life in this time. So let me tell you what I perceive God has been doing and is doing in this time. I believe many believers have been walking around and living life like they've lived it for many years, some for decades. And in 2020, when COVID-19 changed everything in this world around us, God did this with many believers. It's like many believers just all of a sudden became aware that God is busy doing something. We didn't know what He was doing. For many of us, it was a terrible time. Time where we became bombarded with so many lies. So many people were gripped in fear. So many people suffered terrible loss in many ways. But all of us in some way felt that God was taking a hold of us. And we sensed God pulling us somewhere. And for many of us, it's taken a year, two, almost three for us to experience that there's a real tugging from God's side to say, I want you to come closer. And, and we didn't quite know where closer was. We just knew it was closer to God. The direction was unsure for many of us. It's only recently where where many church leaders around the world, prophetic voices, and even in this church, where we became more and more aware of the direction that God is taking His church. Wouldn't you agree? There was a slow movement, but I, I sensed that in the last two months, and I, I, I want to submit to you tonight that there was this, this, almost this urgent pull from God. It's like there was things speeding up in the last couple of weeks and I asked the Lord a couple of weeks ago Lord what, what are we sensing in the spirit and the Lord started speaking to me about 24 25 September which is if you study study the Jewish calendar it's it, it's the Jewish year end and and I've always been 
um, very clued up with where we find ourselves in the Jewish calendar and different feasts and whatever um, the Jews are celebrating at different moments in time. But it's like I became aware that the Jewish year end this year is a significant time. And I don't want to get into the detail of the Jewish year end. But I can tell you that over last weekend, something shifted. And many of you, as you sit here, can testify. You're a, that's true. It's like last weekend was a divine shift. Not only did we have supernatural services in this church. No, no, no. Something shifted in the spirit. Even before we had our Sunday services, something shifted. And the best way I can explain it is, is it wasn't that gradual pull from the Lord. It was this, this urgent pulling from God to say, I want you to come closer. I'm not done, sorry, but we've just moved in a direction, but we're going somewhere. And I sense that in, in, in the days that we find ourselves, listen, Wednesday is a significant day as well. It's a day of atonement. It's, a, it's, it's the most holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It's a day that has a significant meaning in the Jewish calendar. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to get into the depth of that. All I'm saying is I believe that we find ourselves in this key moment in time. This divine shift from the old into the new. Don't think that we can wait for the 1st of January to enter into something new. We've already entered into something new. And, and God is pulling His church. As you sit here tonight, as you watch online, you could testify, many of you, and say, Eric, I've been sensing that drawing. And in the last couple of days, it's like there's been this, this urgency that I've sensed. And we don't always know how to deal with it or how to make sense of what we can't make sense of. But we experience something in our spirit way before we can, can, can consciously be aware of what's actually happening. And what I want to share with you tonight is around the one thing that I believe is more powerful to keep you away from what God is busy doing in this time. The one thing that will stop you from being pulled into what God has. That one thing that I believe ties down more believers in this time than anything else. And that is the sin of compromise. that I pray that God would open our hearts in this night to see to see the things that keeps us from entering into the new and if we can see that desire from God to pull us into the new we would understand why he hates anything that keeps us back from entering into the new with Him. His desire is for every single one of you, every one of you to enter into spaces that you have never been before. He desires for you to know things about Him and experience the glory of Him in ways unimaginable. And there's just one thing that keeps us, and that is us. If we allow ourselves to be bound, to be, to be strapped down by compromise in our lives. And in this night, it is my prayer that God will liberate us. Allow me to rephrase, that we would come to a place that we would liberate ourselves from everything that we have compromised on. Are we ready for this tonight? Come on, can we go there together? I want to say to you, there's nothing, there's no messages that have changed my life more than messages that have challenged my belief. There's nothing that changes a man more when we are challenged with what we believe. And I believe so many of us have fallen into this 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 gray area of Christianity 
and we know just enough to keep us uh, gradually moving in a direction, but we are just strapped down hard enough to not ever break through into the near. And God wants to liberate people tonight. God wants to liberate us tonight. I want to speak to you tonight using the title, No Nicolaitans. Say with me, No Nicolaitans. Some of you are like, I don't even know what Nicolaitans are, and I'm going to explain to you in a moment. Let's read a scripture, and then I'll share one or two thoughts with you from there. So in Revelations chapter number two, you would know that, that God speaks to the churches. And there's so much that He says there, and there's so much um, that is revealed to us in God's intention for the church. But I want to focus on a specific passage of Scripture. Revelations chapter number two, from verse 12 to verse 17, and it will be on the screen as well. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So it says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Pergamum. In the New King James, it says to the church of Pergamos. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. This is God speaking. And listen to what he says. He says, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. What a strong statement. That you live, you dwell in a city where Satan has his throne. Meaning there's every kind of oppression and demonic influence and strongholds is found there. But still, you have remained loyal to me. I want to say to you tonight, it doesn't matter what kind of opposition you face, how the enemy comes against you. You have the power to remain loyal to God. You have the power to remain walking in the truth. We don't have to deviate from the truth. We don't have to surrender. We don't have to. We can stay standing in every season of our lives. And it says this. He says, you refuse to deny me. Even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. And I'll maybe chat about Antipas in a moment. Verse 14, but I have a few complaints against you. And listen to what he says. He says, you tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who you follow, who among you who follow the same teaching. Then he says, repent of your sin or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. That's a strong statement right there. And we often browse over scriptures like that. We're like, geez, no, you know, we're serving the God of grace here. You know, that was for that church. God's got grace with us. But God is saying there's something that I hate. I hate that teaching of the Nicolaitans. I hate that. And I will destroy it. Because it's an enemy to what I stand for. And then he says, anyone with ears to hear. Is there anyone in this church tonight? Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. And friends, I pray that we will understand what the Spirit of God wants to say to this church tonight. May this message not be one of condemnation. May this message be one that liberates us to see what God sees, to understand what God wants us to understand in this time. So he writes to a church in a city filled with pagan worship, filled with demonic strongholds. And in that time, pagan worship was at the order of the day. Everywhere in that city, in every group of um, uh, people, amongst every sphere of society, pagan worship was at the order of the day. And he says, you have remained strong amongst all of that. Even when one of the the saints that stood as a mouthpiece of God was martyred, even then you remained faithful. Even then. But I have this against you, that you have started to tolerate a type of belief. And it's the very thing that I hate. Why? Because he says, Jesus says the same thing. Listen to what James chapter number four, verse four says. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? 
Friends, we can read over that scripture in the Greek, the Hebrew, the new living, the message, the passion, everything says the same thing. If I become a friend of God, if I become a friend of the pagan worship of my day, I make myself an enemy to God. And I want to explain to you the teaching of Balaam that he speaks about and the Nicolaitans. And I want you to grasp something. I want you to see how the enemy infiltrates Christian circles, many churches, with a thought pattern, a belief, a doctrine that is evil in its core because it robs people from entering into the fullness that God has for them. God says, I, I, I thank you for remaining loyal, but there's something that you have tolerated. And as long as you tolerate it, you will not enter into the fullness that I have for you. You will not, you cannot. And in so many ways, I've got to tell you, friends, as I look at my own life over many years, even in the season that I, I realize how easy it is to tolerate certain things. And God wants to free us of that. There's no way that we will enter into revival if we are still entangled with the things of this world. Oh, friends, I was looking for a better amen there. We cannot enter into what God wants us to enter into if I'm still entangled in the things of this world. So let me tell you something that's happening here. In that story, what was happening is the believers of the day were so surrounded with the pagan worship that that filled that city, that it was difficult for them to remain true to the purity of God's Word. Back in the day, let's take for an example, when business people would get together nowadays, they will meet at a restaurant, book out a table, have a business meeting, share some things and make their way off. Back in the day, they would have these meetings at these pagan temples. They would eat together. Food will be sacrificed to idols. Many people would engage in sexual immorality with, with some of the prostitutes in these temples. It was at the order of the day. But these Christians remained faithful. They were loyal to God's word. But then they entered into a time of persecution. The believers were attacked for being separated from the rest. And when Antipas was, 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 was martyred, there was a key shift that took place amongst those believers. And let me, let me explain to you what happens when he was martyred. And I don't wanna go into the detail of who Antipas was, but he was a saint in that day that stood for the things of God. He was a mouthpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ in that city. And they took him and they, 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 they built a, a, a brazen calf. And they, they had this hole we would suppose at the side of the calf where they would put somebody in that brazen that bronze calf and they would make fire underneath that calf and they would boil that person in that calf you can go study that's how he was martyred and what made this more evil is they would take trumpets and flutes and they would put it in the mouth of this calf and as this person was boiling inside that calf all the people would hear that standing around that calf was these beautiful noises that came out of these flutes and these trumpets. Doesn't matter what screams or whatever was in going on inside that calf, all the people heard was these beautiful flutes and harps ach, and trumpets playing as that person was cooking inside that calf. My apologies for the gruesome detail here, but we've got to understand that that's how many people look like today. They are stuck inside the belly of this world. And the world is dancing to the sounds that we make because we are sounding nothing different than the sounds that the world is making, friends. The sounds that come from so many believers today sounds nothing, nothing like Christ. It sounds like the world because we have allowed a gospel of compromise. We have said yes to things that the world say yes to. We've said no to what they say no to. We have forgotten the truth of what we believe, what we stand for, the truth that we build our lives on. And many people sound exactly like that. We are boiled inside the belly of this world and the world is dancing to the music of our mouths. I read it this week, my heart broke. I said, God, so many people are stuck in there. God, help us to liberate people. 
to liberate people out of that place where they are burning, being boiled for the things of this world. God, help us to set people free. God, help us to be free tonight. I don't want my life to sound like the lives of, like, I don't want my life to sound like this world. I want my life to make a different sound. It's my prayer for you that your life will make a different sound. And the moment he was martyred, the believers became fearful. That's what happened. They became fearful. And they started to compromise. They said, okay, well, it's okay then if they invite us to these meetings, we can just, you know, let's attend some of these meetings. We don't have to sleep with the prostitutes, it's fine, but we'll go there. And then we started saying, okay, no, it's fine. You know, we can eat some of the food. God understands, it's fine. We just, you know, let's just keep the peace. You know, we we don't wanna upset the status quo too much. We, we know what we believe, you know, but just God will understand if we, if, we, if we tolerate some of these things. And that's what Jesus was saying to them. He says, you've started to tolerate it, but I've not called you to tolerate it. I've called you to make a stand for truth. Balak, the king of Moab, comes to Balaam because he's struck in fear. Here's this Israelite nation passing by on the edges of his country and and fear fills his heart. What are these people gonna do to me? So he goes to Balaam, long story short, he says, I want you to go and curse these people. You're a prophet of God, curse them. And you know the story, Balaam goes and when he opens his mouth, all he can speak is blessing. Second time, all he can speak is blessing. And he says to Balaam, I can't curse what God has blessed. I can't curse what God has blessed. But then he says, well, why? Balak says to him, well, there's, there's a whole lot of money at stake here. I'll pay you good money, free translation. Just curse these people for me. And Balaam says, well, I can't. I've tried twice, I can't. You know the story, even the donkey speaks to him. Just stop it, you can't do it. He says, but Balak, I tell you what we can do. You take some of the mobile women and you let them infiltrate the camp of the Israelite warriors. And you let those women engage with sexual immorality. If you can make those Israelite men fall into sexual immorality, then God himself will curse them. And that's exactly what he did. He took Moabite women. Bible says they dangled in front of these Israelite troops and they infiltrated the ranks and these men slept with them, committed sexual immorality to such an extent that they started offering worship to the same idols that these Moabite women were worshiping. And you know the story, God himself fought against his own nation because they allowed sexual immorality to infiltrate their ranks. Compromise. We can't read over these scriptures and say it was Old Testament. Can we jump to the New Testament? Let me just take off my jacket first. I'm going to sweat you. My apologies if you wanted me to keep on wearing that. Uh, it's too hot up here. Where did, where did the Nicolaitans? come from most scholars all scholars will agree that the Nicolaitans was started with it it all started with a man called Nicholas and I don't know if you know who Nicholas is but Nicholas is one of the deacons that we read about in Acts chapter number six the work became too much for the disciples so they said let's 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 look for some spirit-filled men and let's ask them to come on board with us take some of the load with us And some of those men were powerful men. You've heard of Philip. I mean, Philip started a revival. Men of God. And one of them was a man called Nicholas. Bible says he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a Jew. Bible calls him a proselyte. That means he came from a pagan background and he converted to being a Jew and then converted to be a Christian. 
So we see this track record in him that he comes from this pagan background, converts to, to Judaism, and then converts to Christianity. And there's so much detail that we can gather out of that. Much of just that storyline, if we look at some of the, the scholars, how they write on different historical truths around Nicholas, we can see that he himself was also a man of compromise. And, and you know what shocked me when I read this is he was one of the deacons chosen by the disciples. We often think compromise, that sin of compromise, that's the world's problem. No, I'm telling you, compromises entered the, the, the churches of Christ, friends. So many believers in, in churches are stuck in compromise. And Nicholas and all his followers, it did exactly the same thing. They started compromising on the truth. There were some things that we said, well, uh, we, we, hear what, uh, we understand that that's the truth of, of God's word, but you know, we can just accommodate it you know, in that way. It's, it's fine if we just allow that thing. Uh, you know, we don't have to really do that thing. It's that sin of compromise. And it infiltrated the ranks of the disciples. Many believers of the day became compromised. Have you ever watched the movie when they say that whatever country, whatever base or whatever soldier has become compromised? It means that there's something that has happened and we cannot trust it anymore. We cannot rely on it anymore. And you know what the danger is about compromise? Is compromise is not saying no to God's word. It's saying yes to God's word. Yes, absolutely. I fully agree. But, but, but this is also okay. Yes, 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 we believe in God's word, but it's, it's okay to have, you know, some meetings at the pagan temples. Yes, yes, I understand what God says about um, sexual purity, but it's, it's okay. I mean, if, you, if you're there, you know, we, you know, it's engaged with some of these prostitutes in sexual immorality. I understand what God's word says about food offered to idols, but it's okay. He understands. It's okay. That word right there has been the reason why so many believers have never fulfilled their destiny. It's okay. And I want to say to you tonight, friends, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. God wants to take us. I was chatting with Corneille in the early morning hours this morning, and she said it so beautifully. It's like, like God wants to take us higher. We all know it. We've heard it. It's been prophesied. We've seen it. We experience it. We feel it. That God's saying, there's more. I'm taking you higher. But that one thing that ties us down to this world, the one thing that ties us not the unbeliever, us down to this world is compromise. It's compromise. And here's the sad reality is that many unbelievers will be swept up into this new move of God. Many children will come home and possess what God has promised. But there will be believers that will miss it. Friends, I've just reached that place in my life. I'm not gonna try and find a way to try and sugarcoat this message that it sits well with you. That it makes you feel good. Oh, okay, no, yes. Understand what he was saying, but. It's not a but in here. God wants everything. God has given you a new nature. He's given you the mind of Christ. He's given you the spirit of God in you. He's given you everything you need. Everything to live in that new place. We don't have to live in a life of compromise. And can I tell you how compromise looks like in our day and age? For many of us, compromise is found in the purity of our lives. We see it in the purity of our lives. Often in the purity that we allow our minds to ponder on. 
the purity in which we live our lives. And that goes for every area of our lives. It shocks me to hear how some believers speak. Just the words of their mouth shocks me. I often think to myself, I wonder if they would chat like that if Jesus was standing there. Would they also use that kind of language? No, they won't. So why do we do it? Because we have begun to compromise. Many people in the way they live in purity in relationships. Come on, friends, let's be honest. How many people today are not living with their boyfriend or their girlfriend? And I want to ask no excuses. If you're here tonight and you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, I want to say to you, it's not on. It's not okay. I'm not going to be that pastor that says, oh, you know, so many Christians do it, you know. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay because somebody said to me it's not okay. No, because when I found Christ and we were dating, God said to us, there's some things that you cannot continue in any longer. There's a level of purity in your relationships that I now require from you until you get married. I want to say to you, it's not okay. If you are living with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, somebody that's not your husband or your wife, you are compromising. You're compromising, friends. Forgive me if it offends you. I, I trust it will offend you to the core of your being. And you, you can walk out of this place and say, Here, Axel, I pastor, Sakarkarap. You can be angry at me, but may the word of the Lord convict you tonight. It's not okay. It's not okay, friends. Friends, we cannot, we cannot get. We cannot live like the world lives. I've been to some, some social events where I see Christians taking amounts of alcohol that I think to myself, it, it's not okay. You can't cup a couple of beers and have a couple of whiskeys and then think it's okay. It's not okay, friends. Oh, forgive me if I offend you. Once again, I want to say, may I offend you to the core. You can't tell me that if Jesus was sitting with you in your house, you'll say, Jesus, can I pour you a whiskey? You cannot say that to me, friends. There's something that God requires of us that is higher. And friends, many of these things, I mean, I come out of many of these backgrounds myself. I know what it's like to try and negotiate with God. No, it's not how God wants us to live. For many years of my life, just BC day story, for many years of my life, I was smoking. Me and Peter Stuyvesant, we were like this. And I got saved. And I can't tell you how many people in this church were the kind of people that said, you know, it's okay. You know, it's, it's not gonna send you to hell. I'm being honest now, it's okay. And I remember one evening after prayer, we had a Tuesday night prayer, I was driving home and I had such an encounter with God in this church. I was driving home in my car and I was praising Him and out of just, you know, habit, I was lighting a ciggy and I remember praying to God with the ciggy in my hand. And I remember, I was like, what am I doing? And in that moment, you know what I did? I thought, let me quickly finish my smoke and then I'll continue chatting to God. And when I thought it, the Lord said to me, I am not okay with that. I am not okay with that. And I remember I flicked that thing out the window. I took that little packet and I said, God, I will not compromise in my life anymore. And friends, I wanna say to you, if you hear and you struggle with nicotine or whatever addiction, I can't say to you it's okay. I'm not gonna do it. I wanna say to you tonight, it's not. It's not okay. God loves you absolutely, but He hates what that addiction will ultimately do to you. It starts with nicotine, it ends up much worse. The Bible says sin is always progressive. It always wants more. It will always take you further than what you wanna go, pay you more than what you wanna pay. Ultimately, sin leads to death. There's nothing that I can entertain in my life that I know grieves the heart of my father and think in the long run, it will not make me lose more than what I would wanna lose. Compromise. 
And let me tell you tonight, friends, it's not just in alcohol and cigarettes and sleeping around and, and living together. Those are the things that we see with our natural eyes. Let me tell you the things that we compromise on more is what happens in our hearts. And that's the very thing that will ultimately keep you from entering into the near. It's when we compromise within ourselves. It shocks me if this Bible that I read is filled with scriptures about forgiveness. There's so much written about forgiveness. You can write books and books upon books about forgiveness alone. Yet many believers today are walking around in unforgiveness. Bitterness within themselves, offense, anger. We have compromised. We have compromised. We have compromised. And I want to say to you tonight, friends, that God wants to liberate us from that. You know how gracious God is, friends. You know how how much He desires for people to turn to Him. You know how willing He is to forgive. When Moses said, God, reveal yourself to me, and, 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 and God hid him in the cleft of the rock, he walked past him, and, he, and when God said to Moses, Moses, I'm gonna tell you who I am, he said, I am compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. I am a God that forgives. Friends, God forgives in a moment, in an instant, he wipes away the slate. The, the slate is clean, everything is wiped away but he cannot do it with a heart that is still compromised. I don't think you can fool God and say, God, forgive me for this, but you know in your heart that you are still leaning in affection towards that. And that somewhere, somewhere, there might be this opportunity, just this opportunity for you to do it again, and you might just do it. You might just go there. You might just entertain that thought in your, in your mind, that attitude in your heart. No, 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 God says, I want you to come clean of compromising. And you know what, friends, when we think about compromise, it's such a heavy. It's such a heavy for most of us. It's like God wants to spoil my fun. I've heard believers say that. I've heard believers say, that God is out to spoil my fun the things that I want to do, he, he wants me to stop. No, he's not out to spoil your fun. Friends, you might think partying or clubbing or whatever is fun. I'm telling you now, if you can find God, you will see what fun is. You will see that God is able to give you abundant life, joy, peace, overflow within yourselves that, is, that will take you higher than any drug gives you more pleasure than any sexual relationship outside of wedlock will. There's nothing that God cannot give you that will completely outweigh anything that this world has to give you. The enemy has become absolutely brilliant in telling us that there is value of being rooted in areas of compromise. And that's why the church is powerless. powerless I'm not saying this church but many churches many believers walk powerless before God they've heard the gospel they speak about the miracles the signs the wonders deliverance healing the manifestations of God's glory God's glory yet they've never seen it because they cannot give himself fully to a man that looks like the world cannot friends there's no way to try and trick God into giving you something that he has reserved for those that love him you cannot 
You can come to church, friends, listen to me tonight. You can come to church 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. You can fast and pray every week. You can give your tithes and your offerings. You can say hallelujah at the right places. You can come to every altar call that we ask people to respond to. You can do all of that, but you live in a life of compromise and you will never break through in true revival within yourself. Never. Never. You cannot. And I'm telling you this tonight, friends, because God is extending an invitation like I believe in our generation we've never seen before for people to enter into something greater. And all he wants is that we would stop compromising. That's all he wants. He'll take imperfect people, people that's been saved for a week. You don't have to have much Bible knowledge. Doesn't matter where you are in your journey, but if you are a person that has fully surrendered, there's nothing that God cannot do through your life. And mark my words tonight, church, that the move of God that you will see, not might see, will see, in this nation, in this church, that move will be marked by people of complete surrender. Some of them will be young. Some of them will be old. Some of them will struggle to speak English in an English church. When they come to pray for people, they'll sound like the English is very delicious. But when they lift their hands, the power of God will fill people of every tribe, tongue, language, color, creed. I'm telling you, God will use people that come out of broken relationships, prostitutes. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. God will use prostitutes because Jesus loves prostitutes. I tell you that because the Bible tells me so, and I tell you that because we, in years of ministry, as we've ministered to them, have seen that God finds special delight in prostitutes because many of them have been broken beyond their own ability to repair themselves or get themselves from the streets. But God's gonna raise up women like that. They will stand in churches. They will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. They will raise the dead. I'm telling you now, they will cast out devils. God will use any kind of a person, young, old, black, white, Indian, colored, stormer supporter, blue bull supporter, doesn't matter. Not sure about the blue bulls, but I'm confident that he will use the sharks and the stormers. Okay, please forgive me for that. That wasn't a good joke. God will use anybody. I've, in times as I've prayed, I've seen him use people that we would scan through this church and say, oh, he, he won't use that person. Won't use that person. Sir, you were the khaki shirt. There's been times in your life where you have felt like that. Not sure if God will use my life, and I'm here to tell you tonight, sir, that God will use your life. You will be one of them. I prophesy it over your life. I prophesied over your life. When I, when I went up on that stage, it's like I just saw you. I just, God took my eyes directly to you. And I see within you something that I think you struggle to see at times, but God sees it. Give me your hand. God sees within you greatness, my friend. And there's been many things that's happened and you have, you have doubted yourself and God's ability to work through your life. But I give you this word tonight in front of this whole church that God's gonna use your life in a powerful way. He's gonna show you that He doesn't call the qualified but he qualifies the called and he will use your life in an amazing way. There's many things that has happened in your life and God says, what's done is done. Greater is that which is ahead of you than that which is behind you. Stretch out your hands with me to this man. Father, I pray over him in Jesus' name.
for a divine shift. Father, I see how you're gonna use his life mightily. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this will be a divine shift for him. Pray for him, God, that fire will start to burn in his bones, that there will be an uncontrollable hunger and thirst for the things of God. Lord, I pray that there will be a desire within him to find you. And I thank you. I pray over him in this night. As he knocks, the door will be opened. As he seeks, he will find. As he asks, you will answer. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Friends, I've, I've come to do one thing tonight, to ask the Father, Lord, what do you want to do tonight? And he said to me, Eric, I want people. I want people to make an exchange tonight. I want people to make an exchange. That you would give what you have for what he has for you. It doesn't matter what you are, where you are, what's happening in your life, that in this night that you will say, God, I give you everything. No compromise. I want you to close your eyes just there we are. This is a moment between you and God. If you're watching online, I want to ask you just there where you are, make that exchange with God. All God wants from you is an honest prayer tonight. That you would say, God, I give you everything. God, I give you everything. Give me
friends, I, I sense that God requires more from us than just repentance. It's not about saying, sorry God for what I've done wrong. That's not dealing with compromise. It's about putting God on the throne of your life again. Many people have said sorry plenty of times for the things that they've said sorry for tonight. Dealing with compromise, with that doctrine of the Nicolaitans, is not about saying sorry. Sorry God for getting drunk. Sorry God for sleeping around. Sorry God for this. Sorry God for that. Promise I won't do it again. Even in that, there's compromise. Because I and myself cannot fix myself. So I compromise the grace of God and the strength that He has to work in and through me. And many of us are still trying to fix ourselves. But still our hearts are divided. It's about putting God on the throne of your life again. It's about turning all your affection to Jesus. It's not about saying, Jesus, where can I fit you in in my week? Jesus, how can I now do things different? It's about saying, God, I live different. The very desire of my being is different. It's about Jesus. It's about making Him King, Lord of your life again. It's not just about praying a salvation prayer or saying you're sorry. It's about acknowledging who He is and and, and putting Him in His rightful place in your life. I want to prophesy to you now that God is raising up a group of believers that will be so radical. Listen to what I'm saying. They will be so radical. And I don't have a better way to put it. And it actually sounds wrong when I say it. But that's how I hear it in my heart. A group of believers that will be so radical that the world will look at Christians again and say, that looks, that looks cool. I don't know if that's the right word even nowadays in our generation. That looks awesome. That looks amazing. You know, sometimes when a believer gets to a party, they like the odd one out. You're not drinking anything. No, just have my Coke. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like everybody's like, oh, it's <laughs> Christian. Let me tell you, there's a time coming and it's here where it will be turned around, where the world will come into the presence of believers and say, can I have what you have, please? <laughs> telling you, listen to what I'm telling you. Where the world will look at believers again and say, teach me what you know about sexual purity, because I want what you have. Teach me about the power that you carry. Teach me about that fountain of joy that cannot be stopped. Teach me about how you make money the way you make money. It's, it's impossible. It's, there's got to be something. Tell me. Tell me. I want to know. Show me. Show me. That's what the world will say. Oh, listen to what I'm telling you. There will be a group of believers that's so radical, so sold out so bold and they will do it with so much passion and so much conviction that the world will look at us and say I want what you have I want what you carry I want that joy I want that breakthrough I want to carry that power I want to have a marriage like that I want to raise my kids like you raise yours I want that as well that is what I believe God wants to take His church into. That's what revival will look like. It will not just look like Sunday meetings and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's the norm. No, it's about a group of people that live so radically. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day, wherever they go, they see believers rising up in strength, in power, young, old, 
black, white, Indian, colored, everywhere. It's just believers. They walk in passion. They walk in joy. They overflow with abundance. They carry everything we need for life and godliness. They shake the powers of hell. We sang it earlier. They look cool again to this young generation. They say, I want that as well. I want to be in that group of people. And it's not about being popular with this world because we're not becoming friends of this world. It's like we are so sold out to Christ that the world can actually see we look different. I want to close. I want to close and I want to say this. You know what happens when that happens? Please catch this with me. Truth. If God would allow me, I would, I would want to break open the power of truth more to the body of Christ as God breaks it open to me because I'm not fully understanding the power of truth. But truth, truth is, truth is a powerful spiritual I don't want to say principle it's a truth is a person his name is Jesus he is he's tangible he's real it's not it's not an idea it's not like oh that sounds true you know is the carpet black or charcoal ah, it's black that's it's black it's, uh, it can't be charcoal no it is it's 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 a it's a powerful spiritual reality and truth doesn't need to be defended because it is written on the heart of every man and woman. Listen to what I'm saying now. When believers rise up in truth, the world will look at us and the truth of what they see will move within them. That is how revival breaks out. It's not about giving traktaikis to everybody on church and inviting them to a church service. It's where people go, they see the truth of God's power and His love and the person of Jesus so real in us that they are drawn to that. That's when cars just start driving in here and they're just like, what's happening here? We just felt drawn into this place because truth speaks for itself. Truth testifies. And if we would live in truth, the world will be convicted. They will be moved by truth. And I want to pray that over you tonight. I'm not praying this because it's the end of the service prayer. I'm praying this because I believe that there is great power in the prayer of a righteous man. And I stand before you in the righteousness of Christ, fully convinced that in this time, God wants to release something on His people. That if we would say, yes, Lord, and respond, that that powerful truth will be unleashed in your life. So can I pray that over you tonight? Won't you stand with me, every single person? If you're online, say yes. Yes. I love you too. Father, I pray, close your eyes with me. I want you to see your life before God. I want you to look beyond any form of compromise that there was in your life. Everything that the enemy has tried to trip you up, keep you down. I want you to see yourself fully surrendered, alive to God alive to God come on see yourself how God sees you a powerful man a powerful woman father give them eyes to see the truth of their lives the truth that you see the truth that you have spoken over them some of you, you've believed a report that's not yours to believe. You've believed a lie about you. God doesn't want you to live by that lie anymore. 
So Father, I pray as you have instructed me in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, I pray that in this night, that truth will be unleashed in the hearts of men and women. Every person in this building, every person online, every person that'll watch this at a later stage, I pray in this night, let truth liberate them now. Let every form of compromise be cut off their lives. May that tenacious, bold faith arise to say I will have nothing else but Jesus as my only treasure, as the greatest prize, as my longing, as my desire. Jesus, we give you everything anew in this night. We want you to know that we give you everything. Everything, we hold nothing back. We give you everything, God. Every addiction, every mindset, every attitude in our hearts, every form of bitterness, unforgiveness, everything that we have raised up in our thoughts, every attitude in our hearts that's not aligned with your heart, everything, we surrender everything, 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 God. And we turn our affection to you. Jesus, come and be the center of everything in our lives. Come on, make that prayer personal tonight. In whatever you wanna say, say that to God. Say, God, I give you everything. Everything. No more compromise. I withhold nothing. thank you for every exchange that's taking place tonight. Jesus, we give you everything. We surrender our lives completely. Forgive us for tolerating and accommodating thinking patterns. Beliefs, thoughts, attitudes, anything that is not 100% in line with your word. God, we repent of all forms of compromise. We give you everything. Father, I pray over every person that's here that this night will be a red letter night in their lives. That this night will be a night that they will look back on forever and say that night, everything changed in my life. Jesus, have your way, we pray. And if you agree with that prayer, won't you give Jesus a loud amen to you? Come on, let's say amen again. I just sense that the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna close in a moment. I just sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking about the hearts of people. Some of you, you've allowed things in your heart. It's not evil in itself, but it steals from you the ability to shift with God. Discouragement. God spoke about it this morning already. Heaviness. Compromise in how we believe. Trust. 
how we tend to do things in our own strength, even worry. By holding on to worry, we compromise. Give everything away. Make a decision in this night to say, God, I give you everything. Father, I pray, so shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give him some praise.